Hey guys, my name is Kevin and this is Carrie, and welcome to the Bully Brave podcast where we chat about nurturing confident youth and creating positive learning environments. With us here today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Eastwood. Now, before we jump into the questions, we'll be talking about things like mental health, self-esteem, how what is good mental health, and how to work towards good mental health. If you can quickly describe, you know, about your practice and what, what it is you do. Sure. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah. First of all, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so I have, I'm a psychologist and I have a private practice uh, here in Brampton. And really what our practice is about is helping children, teenagers and adults live healthy lives in terms of their mental health. So we see kids and teenagers and adults for a lot of different reasons. Maybe it's difficulties with mood or anxiety, stress, problems in social relationships. Mm. We also provide support to people who are dealing with various neuro neurodevelopmental disorders. So that's things like autism spectrum disorder, okay. learning disabilities, ADHD, those kinds of concerns. So our job is to help understand what's going on because sometimes these problems are not diagnosed and so we really want to make sure that we understand what's going on and then provide people with the kind of help they need to live as full a life as possible. Perfect. Beautiful. And the one difficulty we had with planning this conversation is there's so much we can talk about with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. From everything you mentioned, we could have hour-long conversations about all those things. But the one thing we really decided we wanted to focus on was the concept of self-esteem and how that and how when kids are growing up nowadays, there's a lot of adversity when it comes to developing your own self-esteem based on social media mm -hmm. as a tool for vanity and, and et cetera. So what, what's your experience with self-esteem specifically in youth? Mm -hmm. Well, I agree that self-esteem, you know, is a big concern and it's really often a big reason why kids and teenagers are brought to my practice, mm. right? So you know, what might be happening is that a young person um, says very harsh, critical things about themselves um, or uh, maybe starts behaving differently. Maybe they're pulling back from their family, from their friends. And when parents and teachers notice a change in behavior like this or, um, you know, they're, they hear something that a young person says, it can be really alarming. Mm. You know, children can say very harsh things about themselves and then when parents or teachers witness that you know they're understandably concerned and they bring the young person in to see me and in terms of helping to nurture a healthier self-esteem you know the first thing that I want to do is try to understand kind of what's the reason that the child is feeling this way about themselves because there can be many different things going on right so when you think about the life of a child you know, there are many contexts that are so central to their day-to-day -day experience. Mm -hmm. There's their home life, of course, and also their life at school. Kids mm -hmm. spend a lot of time at school, right? And what happens there can have a big impact on how they're feeling about themselves. And then, of course, their social world, which in today's age is that much more complex because it's not just you know, the face-to-face -face interactions, yeah. but also all the interactions over social media. So, like, broadly speaking, those are three major big contexts that I want to make sure I do a thorough assessment of to, to understand, you know, where, where things are going wrong. So, mm -hmm. when I see a young person who's struggling with self-esteem, um, the kinds of questions that I ask are things like, you know, is this child enjoying meaningful relationships with their family and their friends? Okay. Um, are there contexts in their life where maybe they're being ridiculed or rejected 
or um, treated harshly either by an adult or a peer in any context in their lives? Um, are, they, are they able to meet the expectations of their life? So, you know, at school, for example, um, are they struggling to meet the expectations that teachers have for them? Sometimes children with an undiagnosed learning disability, you know, maybe falling behind and right. feeling very badly about themselves, right. assuming that something's wrong with them, when really the problem is, is that they learn differently and, and we just don't understand that yet mm -hmm. about them and we don't know what kinds of tools they need to be successful. So by figuring out that piece of things, you know, we can help um, ad address the self-esteem concern. And I also just want to pause you there mm -hmm. and explore what you just said in regards to discovery, mm -hmm. discovering what it is and, and letting that process find out what is the root cause mm -hmm. of said issue. So if I'm a teacher or an, or an educator and I've, I notice somebody's having a hard time, you, you mentioned that one question and I can't think of it now, but it was a powerful question. Mm -hmm. What are some methods I can use to seek out that, that root cause? I think just being open and available and ready to listen. Mm. You know, it has been teachers that have brought kids to my practice before, like not directly, but through raising that flag to parents. Because kids will, kids will open up when given the opportunity. So kids will sometimes look for a writing project in school. They might disclose something or you read their writing and you can see, wow, there's something, mm. you know, really difficult here that this child is struggling with. They're disclosing something very negative about themselves in the context of this kind of benign school assignment. Right. Okay, then, you know, the, the teachers that I've interacted with, you know, are very concerned for their students. They'll pick up the phone, they'll call the parents, say, you know, this is what your child disclosed at school. You know, please take your child to see somebody where they can talk about these things further. And so it's just being available and open and to listen. Gotcha. You know? And I can see that if we don't nurture a positive self-esteem, that this can snowball mm. into some deeper uh, mental health issues. If you it can lead to absolutely, anxiety, can lead to not wanting to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So making sure that we identify as soon as we can that there isn't that there is an issue. These, these mm -hmm. root things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so. I know we talked as a, as a, as a teacher, as, um, as a parent, how can we support? Because I, I, I truly believe that it's the community together that's going to support this, this, this child. So mm -hmm. we have the teacher supporting, and we have the parents supporting, obviously, and we have, we have um, our uh, professionals supporting. So as a parent, how do I recognize and support my, my child going through this process? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of things that parents can do, um, and I think a lot of it just boils down to that communication mm. piece, yeah. right? So children who have a healthy self-esteem um, tend to be in families where uh, there's respect mm. between all members of the family, mm. um, where people listen to one another, where um, accomplishments are celebrated together, where mistakes are not ignored, they're acknowledged, but they're also accepted, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a mistake is not something that um, not makes you less than, yeah. right? You're yeah. not punished for it, but, you're, it's, but you don't pretend they don't exist either. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a, an important point. Like nurturing a child's self-esteem isn't just about telling them that they're great, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
Um, nurturing a child's self-esteem is about helping them to find avenues in life where they can truly be successful at something, it has to be something that's personally meaningful for them, right? So we can't just impose our own ideas of what they should be good at um, or what they should care about. I mean, we, we share that with our kids, certainly, but each child has to find what's personally meaningful for them. And they really have to develop some skill in that area, right, that they can be justifiably proud of, right? So, so what's the influence of self-talk? In mm -hmm. that, because I way back you you referenced the voice in your head mm -hmm. and how important that is, and a lot of work we've done for our own development has involved the importance of being aware of your self-talk, mm -hmm. because you know, n like ninety percent of the things you hear is your own, it's your it's your own thoughts. You're having right. conversations with yourself. So, in that process of developing self-esteem, of being exposed to positive references of hey, I accomplished this and this is important to me, mm -hmm. where does self where does self-talk sit? Well, self-talk is, is critical, right? And it's self-talk about, again, our accomplishments and also our challenges and how we talk mm. to ourselves about that, those things. Uh, and I think our, the self-talk can be you know, modeled by the people in our lives, right? Mm. So as parents, like if we're talking about what parents can do to support kids or teachers too, we can model self-talk, mm. right? So, um, you know, it's it's easy to be hard on yourself, right? Like, oh, I lost my keys again, what a stupid idiot, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes we say these things without thinking, you know, without re realizing that somebody's watching and listening, mm -hmm. right? And so we all make mistakes, and every time we make, an, make a mistake, it's an opportunity to model healthy self-talk mm. to kids, right? And, you know, it, we all struggle with that from time to time. You know, we can, I think part of being kind of a, you know, a, a driven or achievement-oriented person is that you have goals and expectations for yourself and it's normal to feel disappointed, mm -hmm. right? When you don't meet your expectations that you had for yourself, right? But um, we can all work on taking a step back and saying, okay, so how can I learn from this experience? How can I talk to myself in such a way that helps me move forward and shows my children, you know, a way to, to move forward in a healthy way? Now, do you find that, um, you know, you know, talking about self-esteem and, and self-esteem, obviously it comes from self, mm -hmm. and that, um, but um, that not just students, but people will try to get self-esteem from outside sources for example social media that immediate gratification when i put up a post that mm -hmm. people like me yeah i feel liked i feel loved yeah people, you know they say how great i look and it's like a high mm -hmm. but yeah then it, it fizzles yeah yeah absolutely uh, this is such a big issue uh you know i think concern about what other people think of me and you know, am I liked or not liked? That's always been an issue for adolescents, mm -hmm. right? But I think it's all amplified now that um, now that we have social media being so much a part of the social experience for kids. And I hear kids talking about this all the time. And the stress of social media can often be another reason why teenagers are brought to see me when sometimes things escalate to a point like there might be one very difficult interaction that's evolved over social media or instances of cyberbullying. 
Um, these are all events that can lead a young person to need, need professional help because it yeah. can get that intense, right? But yes, I hear teenagers talking about it all the time. They'll do things like um, compare the number of likes they have to the number of followers they have yeah. and then say, oh, well, I have 200 followers, but only 50 people like this post. That means they don't like me or and so it is it is a really big issue and I and I think I think for both girls and boys but I worry especially for girls mm -hmm. and they seem to be posting a lot of images of themselves on social media get and then attention. to get that attention and that feedback so and get that, that boost, right? that's that's right and, and the thing is is it's 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 a boost that doesn't last right it no. makes you feel better just yeah, it's it's a high, and uh, but it doesn't it, it doesn't actually feed your self-esteem in any real meaningful way. So I think it's really important to talk to young people, you know, about these dynamics, right? So they can be more aware of what's what's happening here. Do you think that's been the biggest effect with social media on youth? Like, has there been anything else that's been come that's come up in your conversations? Um. I, th I think that's probably one of the bigger issues for mm -hmm. for sure. It's it's a challenge because I don't think social media is all bad, right? It is. It's definitely a way. It's a tool. To it's a tool. It's a way for people to communicate. Um, there's there's actually been a recent documentary that I think is really helpful in terms of talking about okay. the issues of uh, social media affecting young people and also just technology use in general and other issues like gaming addiction, that kind of thing, which right. I think can be a big issue for youth as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's called Screenagers. It's pretty, yeah. it's very neat. That's a good so name. yeah, Screenagers. <laughs> yeah, and they talk about a lot of the research that we're now learning more and more about in terms of understanding the impact um, on people. But there's like actual, a, a dopamine hit in the brain yeah. when you get yeah. likes, right? So it, it's like this real instant kind of chemical reaction that really drives like it it makes this experience addictive really it, it, that, that's what it that's mm -hmm. what an addiction is is that mm -hmm. dopamine hit, hit right mm -hmm. so it is absolutely um so how do we how do we have that conversation with the teens or youth i don't want to say mm -hmm. teens because social unfortunately there's young children on this and doing yeah. the same thing yeah um how do we have that conversation that you know this is not where you're going to get your self-worth yeah well I think I think you're right it like young kids uh, are using social media yeah. more and more and I would argue that the conversation has to start well before kids mm -hmm. start using social media yeah. and then once they're on social media the conversation you know has to be ongoing right so you know I would suggest that you know we need to assess for each individual child are they ready for this tool mm. So, you know, I would ask a, you know, a young person, you're thinking about giving them access to social media, asking them, well, who are you going to follow and why? Mm -hmm. And who are you going to allow to follow you? Do you think you should have a public account or a private account? Why? Um, what's going to happen when you post a picture and nobody likes it? Yeah. What's that going to mean? What if you post a picture and everybody likes it? Right. What does that mean? Right? So, I think having those kinds of conversations ahead of time would give you as a parent insight into, okay, can my child handle this mm -hmm. yeah. pressure, right? I mean, 
you never know for sure until you're into it and you can't anticipate everything but but also that conversation I would hope helps almost protect or immunize your child against those pressures at least starting out so they get that message from you as a parent that hey you know there's lots of different ways to interpret these and things that happen are on social media. Super, super important. Mm -hmm. The term we use the most is ethical use of social media. Mm -hmm. So what is that? And I think over the next years that'll be discovered. But for now, we're still in this limbo where these these youth are growing up without a guidebook for how to handle social media. So there's a few disconnects. So they're not learning it from parents or educators, and then leaves these gaps. Mm -hmm. And then they tend to, you know, make posts for their own vanity and, mm -hmm. and self-esteem. And th that's when we go down that path. Mm -hmm. So for us as, as educators to have those types of conversations, mm -hmm. all those questions you were asking, mm -hmm. like what's gonna happen when you get no likes? That's, yeah. that's phenomenal. How are you yeah. gonna feel? Yeah. Like, what's that gonna to do? open yeah. those doors yeah. earlier and mm -hmm. say, look, this is what's behind the curtain. Right. There's nothing mythical here. Yeah. This is the, that might not be the ethical use of social media, but at least it opens everything up. That's right. Yeah. So they can start digesting and figuring out in their own minds how yeah. they're going to structure it mentally. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's phenomenal. And do you want to touch mental health now? or? Yeah. So have you, there's definitely been a lot more awareness um, over the last few years uh, on mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and um, first of all, can you explain what good mental health is and what is that? what does that mean? Sure. So when we talk about mental health, like it's helpful sometimes to contrast that to physical health. So okay. physical health is kind of the wellness in your physical body. Mental health is the wellness in your mental body, okay. right? Or your psychological well-being. And so what we're really talking about there is how healthy are your emotions, how healthy are your thought processes, and how healthy is your behavior day to day, right? So we look at all that together and that's what we talk about when we talk about mental health. If we're talking about what is good mental health, um, I actually like the definition that's provided by the World Health Organization on their website, so I'll just refer to yeah, it, sure. refer to it here. So they say that mental health is defined as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Interesting. So they're highlighting, I think, the, the effects really of being you know, healthy in terms of our emotions, our thinking, and our behavior day to day. And the big thing I'm noticing on social media, most mm -hmm. notably, is that everybody's fighting the stigma of mental health. Mm -hmm. That over the past two years, you know, the school board, the school ministry of education has just really pushed for mental health this year as well. Yeah. And the stigma is kind of being removed. Yeah. But beforehand, having a conversation about this, you know, anxiety isn't a thing. Depression is not a thing. Yeah. So now, hopefully, that'll lead to having conversations towards what is good mental health versus yeah. just saying, this is how it looks when it's bad. Yeah. Well, and this is where social media has been really helpful. Very much right? so. Right? Exactly. So, you know, I think social media has really been helping to break down the stigma and make it easier for people to mm -hmm. talk about their experiences and various initiatives put out by, you know, Bell Let's Talk, that yeah. kind of thing, or, or there's other initiatives by the Ontario Psychological Association or whatever, just to promote um, open discussion, right? Exactly. What, uh, have you seen, with this awareness, have you seen a rise in mental health? And what do you think would be the leading contributor? Because how long have you been a psychologist? Uh, well, I've, I've 
been a psychologist since 2003, okay. a licensed psychologist since 2003, and I started my private practice in Brampton in 2005. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I don't think I've seen a, an increase so much, but then again, I think I have a pretty specific <laughs> experience, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm always seeing people that you know are coming ready for help, right? right. So um, I think if you're in a community-based setting, such as a school, maybe you would see more changes over time. But um, I do think, I do recognize that there's more awareness and more openness to talk mm -hmm. about it. And I definitely see, like, the kinds of changes that I see are more concerns related to social media use or, right. you know, uh, just unmonitored social media use that's gone totally awry, right? And this, this question may be similar to the self-esteem that we just finished talking about, but nurturing good mental health mm -hmm. in somebody, mm -hmm. youth, when you're a teacher or a parent, mm -hmm. how does that look like? Um, I think it's pretty similar to nurturing healthy self-esteem self too, really. Um, I guess it's being just really getting to know kids understanding their experience, mm. um, looking for, I mean, certainly when it comes to mental health, you know, if you see disruptions or changes in a young person's behavior, mm -hmm. uh, then that's always, you know, a warning, warning well, sign. Mm -hmm. if, you, right? if, you, if you're an educator and you see, well, a parent as well, and you mm -hmm. see your child or a child taking a turn for the worst, mm -hmm. mental health-wise, and you know, starting to have their self-esteem being affected and that stems to other issues as we just finished discussing. How do you, you know, how do you ap approach that kind of subject? Um, it's, I think it's important for parents and teachers to know what resources and supports are out there. Okay. So, and again, this is where the increasing awareness is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, my sense is that people are more aware. Often people will go to their family doctor first if there's right. a concern and family doctors are such a helpful support and th they know where to direct families mm -hmm. for help and support. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, I guess I just want to encourage parents and teachers um, when your child comes to you and says something that's alarming or stressful, you know, try to take a deep breath, right, and say, okay, they're, they're coming to me, yeah. right? Yeah, so you want to keep the lines of communication open, and even though you might be very anxious inside hearing, you know, what your child might be saying to you, um, to take a deep breath and say, oh, <laughs> can you tell me more about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then, as I think sometimes if a young person senses that their parent is freaking, freaking out, out yeah. then they'll just be like, okay, I can't tell you can't this. Tell you. Right? Like this is too much for you. They're, they're testing, um, you know, they test. Yeah. If you're open to it, then more things and the, right. the, the conversation keeps going. Right. We just finished having that conversation yeah. with somebody. Yeah. I mean, in, in general, you know, kids, one, one way that I encourage parents is to say, listen, when, you're, when your child comes to you with a problem, you know, you very much want to guide them and help them solve the problem, right? And it's, I think it's a normal instinct to want to jump in there and offer solutions, right. right? Well, did you think about it this way or did you try that, right? But sometimes what the child really needs is just someone to listen, right? So 
Uh, and I, you know, I think we all feel that way too, don't we? Like yeah, when, like if I have a problem, you know, I don't necessarily want someone to tell me what to do. I just want someone to listen. Mm -hmm. And kids are no different. And so, uh, but through that listening process, kids will tell you more about what's going on it's with really them. Mm -hmm. I have a last question, Absolutely. and then I'll, I'll leave it to you. When it comes to dealing with youth who are being repeatedly bullied, bullied mm -hmm. uh, whether it's on social media or in person at school, mm -hmm. have you dealt with that kind of situation? And what, what, are, what are some things that you, you work on with them? Well, I have to say most often I'm dealing kind of with the aftermath of those kinds of situations. Right rather than in the thick of it. Uh, but I do think it's essential uh, if, if that is happening uh, to, to intervene at, to ev at every level, right? It's important for teachers to be aware of what's going on, for the principal to be aware of what's going on, mm -hmm. um, for there to be uh, conversations about what's happening and a plan to, to end the abuse, yeah. mm -hmm. end the bullying, and keep that individual student safe, right? So the student safety should be the priority. And it is complicated because, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out the truth of any situation or what's happening. Um, but I think we have to try. I think we have to, we have to sort you, it out. When you're dealing with that, the, the victims or the mm -hmm. targets, mental state afterwards, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's that conversation look like with them? Um, often it's about trying to make sense of the experience, okay. right? And to correct misperceptions that may still exist, mm. right? So when you, when someone goes through a traumatic experience, whether it's bullying on social media or any traumatic experience, uh, sometimes the mind makes sense of what's happened in ways that are less than right. helpful, mm. okay. right? For example, blaming oneself for what happened or or dwelling on you know what could have happened differently so that the the event didn't happen right we can't always you know in hindsight you know we can look back and see how things could have been different but you know in the moment we don't have control no. mm -hmm. over all those mm -hmm. factors right mm -hmm. so it's about helping young people find a way to move forward mm -hmm. and learn from the experience. Of course. Yeah, right? yeah for sure. Um, so we've talked about a lot of different... There's so much we can go on with you, uh, Dr. Eastwood. Um, you have so much experience. Um, is there anything that we haven't asked you um, about um, you know, dealing with a bullying situation with youth or anything that you wanted to add in regards to uh, mental health, mental health well-being? Um, um, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I'm feeling very hopeful uh, for today's youth and the youth that are coming in the future mm. because I think that where we used to be kind of behind the eight ball, so to speak, trying to realizing after the fact, oh my goodness, look at the impact that this, in the internet and social media is having on our youth mm -hmm. um, with, you know, sort of horrible situations that have unfolded before anyone could really anticipate what was happening. Right. I think now we're seeing more clearly kind of what, what are the benefits and risks and how to arm our kids so that they can use these tools 
effectively and ethically. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very hopeful. I think just the resources are going to continue to grow and develop. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's curriculum in schools in the future talking to kids about these Definitely issues, so. right? Like I already mm -hmm. see that yeah. developing, but I think it'll grow and become more systematic. And, mm -hmm. and then I think people will be healthier as, as a result. Now, as is tradition here on the podcast, you're able to provide a be brave tip, a be brave tip. for our educators, parents out there who are, who are listening, something that's a highlight maybe throughout your career, something that you've been thinking about a lot, or something through our conversation that you think these people, you know, if there's one thing I'd want them to implement, this would be it, or at least consider. Mm -hmm. I guess my be brave tip would be listen. Hmm. Yeah. Active listening. Right? Yeah, for sure. So important. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come out. We, um, we really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure being here. Yes. We'll see you next time. All right.